Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. You know, I I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin uh, with this story. This has been one of those stories I have done my best to avoid at all cost. The reason being is that <clears throat> the story is so outlandish. It's so disrespectful. It's so distasteful. It's so shameful and shameless uh, that just the mere thought of it makes me begin to wonder, how is this even possible? How is this even possible. And I think personally that we need to bring shame back. I think shame has been taken out of society and it needs to come back quick, fast, quick, fast, because the things that are taking place today are unheard of. Let me get into this story. Marcus Jordan is the son of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, we all the, the majority of us uh, believe he is the greatest player uh, in NBA history. And Marcus Jordan is his son. And Marcus Jordan, who I don't know what his current form of employment is, to be quite honest with you. At one point, I heard he was working um, with the Jordan brand. That's what I heard at one point, but I don't know. Right? I don't know. But anyway, Marcus Jordan is 32 years old. Right? And he's the son of uh, Michael Jordan. Then we hear the story that him and Larsa Pippen, who's 49 years old, and there's nothing wrong with her age, but anyway, who's 49 years old, I'm just giving, giving these, these numbers for context, <clears throat> that Marcus Jordan and Larsa Pippen were dating. The minute I heard that story, I said to myself, how low can you go? How messy can you be? For those of you who may be un unaware, Larsa Pippen is Scottie Pippen's ex-wife. Larsa Pippen was an adult or damn near an adult when Marcus Jordan was a child. And obviously, Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan used to be teammates. So Larsa Pippen was around... Marcus Jordan when he was young. You and your husband have a separation or a divorce or whatever the hell you want to call it. And you go on to embarrass the man from strength to strength, which seems to be the thing nowadays. I mean, uh, Jada Pinkett, she's the one that tried to really, really popularize this disrespect of husbands or ex-husbands or whatever the hell you want to call it. And I, and I just can't express to you the elation that I felt when I found out that her book flopped. It, it, I mean... I can't put it into work. Even women were ashamed for her. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? She then decides, you know what? I'm going to go date my ex-husband's teammate's son. That's the first embarrassment of the story. Then we get to the second side of the story, which is Marcus Jordan knows that his father and Scottie Pippen are having a fallout publicly. He then takes it upon himself to say, you know what? I'm Michael Jordan's son, and I have absolutely no options in the dating market. I mean, after all, I'm Michael Jordan's son. I have no options. And you know what I'm going to do? Of all the women in this world to date, not only am I going to date Scottie Pippen's ex-wife, to add insult to injury, I'm going to try to marry this woman. Which to me is one of the most disrespectful, callous things you can do. Number one is disrespectful to your dad. Number one, because you know it's messy. Number two, oh my God. Scottie Pippen's ex-wife? 
Really? And they're up here talking about it. Oh my God, it's so beautiful and it's love. And he's out there getting it up, twerking it up all over the place, expressing his excitement. And yesterday I put on the channel and I wrote this and I want to read it to the public here. I said, because we've been hearing that he wants his father to attend the wedding. And I wrote about 16 hours ago, and this post has about 1,700 likes and about 327 comments. I said, if I'm MJ and my son wants to marry my former teammate's wife, uh, former teammate's wife and wants me to attend the wedding, no problem. I'll remove you, the son, out of my will and I'll be at your wedding with a big fat smile on my face. Hell, I'll even dance at the reception. But I will be damned if she gets one red cent of my money. I'm sorry. This is about money. Of all the men in the world, you go pick your ex-husband's teammate son. The woman has absolutely zero shame. And the son is an embarrassment. Just my opinion. I meant every single word that I put out there. Now, some people will say, but what do you mean it's about money? Michael Jordan, let's look at Michael Jordan's net worth. Michael Jordan has to be worth, I know he's worth over, okay, Michael Jordan is worth $3 billion. And some of you say, well, this is just a coincidence. I mean, Marcus Jordan is not worth $3 billion. So the, uh, 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 the son of a billionaire is most likely not going to end up being a billionaire. Are we going to be that naive? Michael Jordan's going to leave his money to who? The birds? No, let, let's be for real. He's going to leave his money to who? The, the, the sardine in, in, in the sea? Obviously, he's going to leave some of that money for his children. Unless he wants to face the public backlash of you not leaving any of your $3 billion net worth. You're not going to leave anything to your kids. So she knows that she's coming into real money now. Billionaire money by marrying this guy. But some of you may say, well, I, I, I mean, it still doesn't prove that she's after the money. Okay, let's look at her dating history. Who are some of the people that she's gone after? All high-profile multimillionaires. All high-profile multimillionaires, and this is a pattern. And now, you just struck gold by marrying this guy. By marrying this guy, number one. Number two, how can you do something so disrespectful to your ex-husband? How can you do something so, even if you guys are not together, for God's sakes, you guys have kids. How do you think the kids are going to look at this situation? I'm just speaking out loud. I'm trying to imagine if my mom did something. I would probably not speak to my mother if she did something. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Because now you're just trying to embarrass the guy. You're just trying to embarrass the guy. Let me get to an article I, I discovered this morning from Sports Illustrated. It says, Michael Jordan's blunt forward message to his son about dating uh, Scottie Pippen's uh, ex-wife. This article was published on November 1st. Uh, Pablo Torre interviewed this week with Michael Jordan's son, Marcus, and his girlfriend, Larsa Pippa, the ex-wife of Larsa Pippen, the ex-wife of Scottie Pippen, was a was as wild as uh, anything you'll uh, you'll see this year. The relationship dynamics uh, at play are beyond strange. With the two, which the two even admitted to Torre and Charlotte Wilder, aesthetically, it's probably it probably doesn't look good. Pippen said of the particular uh, peculiarity of the relationship, just to hear of it, it doesn't resonate well with people. You think the article then continues on, but the two uh, do seem happy, and for the most part, the interview seemed normal. And then it continues on. Perhaps the most viral moment in the interview came when Marcus Jordan said he would like his father to be the best man when he does marry Larsa Pippen, who would add a whole additional layer of weird to the situation. But Marcus Jordan also provided some key context to know uh, to how his father has approached the relationship with his former teammate's ex-wife. And according to Marcus, Michael Jordan has been supportive. The main thing uh, for my dad was, you're a grown adult, Mark, uh, Marcus Jordan said. Ultimately, as long as I'm happy, he's happy. He never uh, intervened in my dating uh, life prior to Larsa, and he's not going to start uh, now. And then the article then goes on to say a few other things. Listen, I think that's a bunch of I think that's a bunch of trash. I think what do I think what would you said in this article in that but his him being happy is a bunch of BS is a bunch of bull. You know what you know what you know what I'm trying to say. 
Absolute bull. Do you know why I say that? Because when Michael Jordan was asked about his son dating Larsa Pippen in public, he said he doesn't support it. That's what he said publicly. So I don't know where he got this story from. Because the last time we heard out of MJ's mouth, he said, I don't support it. He said, no. They asked him, do you support? He said, no. No. And oh, no. Any reasonable, sensible father would say no. If I had a son and he tried to pull this man, I'm not even attending your wedding. You ain't going to see me there. I'm not going to be a part of that embarrassment of that S show. How does it look? I'm going to be standing up there at my son's wedding while my former teammate's ex-wife is marrying him. I'm going to watch the two of them kiss on screen. How the hell am I supposed to feel as a father? I'm going to feel grossed out. So all of these years you had your eyes on my son? While you were married to this man, you were looking at my son? Is this what I'm supposed to be? A, I'm supposed to support this and talk about, oh, I'm a great dad. I'm going to be a supportive dad. I'm absolutely not. Maybe it's the African side of me. African parents ain't going for this BS. My father told me, if you ain't got no money to be able to even provide for your wife, I'm not even attending the wedding. Because you're not going to go marry her and then try to be a burden to me. That's what he told me. Now, was it harsh? Was it painful to hear? But that's what he had. He has a line in the sand. What do you look like going to marry a woman? You can't take care of the woman. Why are you going to go marry her? That's what he told me. Now, some people disagree with that position. That's his position. And I'm saying I'm, I'm using that as an example to say that there are some parents that will draw the line. Regardless, regardless if they're your kids or not. They're not going to go for it. This situation is an embarrassment. On all levels. And I'm sure Michael Jordan does not want to be seen at a wedding smiling it up and cheesing it up to this madness. Larsa Pippen knows what she's doing. Of all the men in the world of love, think about it. Of all the men, first of all, of all the men in the world to marry and to fall in love with, you're going to fall in love with your ex-husband's teammate's son. And that's supposed to be normal. It's beyond weird. I don't know. Maybe it must be like a Hollywood thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's always these Hollywood stories and this kind of ridiculous stories of how kids be. I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is. So what, MJ supposed to invite his friends to that wedding? No, no. Let's think about it. You're going to invite your parents. Your parents are going to come and they're going to invite their friends because after all, their son is getting married. And they're supposed to sit there and, and, and be a part of that embarrassment. And we all just going to act like it's normal. And I'm supporting my son. Nah, I'm going to call you to the side and be like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? To me, man, listen, this is a, this is a sham. It is disgraceful, this situation. These are just my thoughts. It, I mean, it doesn't get more disgraceful than this. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. As you guys know, the NBA season is already underway. Uh, teams already playing last night. There was a very, very uh, big game between the San Antonio Spurs and the Phoenix Suns. I think back-to-back, uh, -back, the second time these teams are playing each other. And uh, somehow, the Spurs ended up beating the the Phoenix Suns two games in a row and the thing that was even more impressive was the game yesterday that Victor Wembanyama uh, had he scored 38 points which is a career high and he really is uh, you know turning into an excellent player and the player all of us projected he would be well a lot of people projected he would be <clears throat> and Kevin Durant uh, had some very very uh, special words to say about Victor Wembanyama who absolutely loves Kevin Durant's basketball. Uh, game right and Victor Wimbenyama is really taking the NBA world by storm why am I bringing this up because at one point there was another player uh, that really had captured the imaginations of NBA fans all over the world and that player was John Morant uh, when John Morant came into the NBA he came in he came in with the same draft class as Zion Williamson and Zion was supposed to be the next it uh, kid but you know due to injuries and whatever it is um John Moran ended up really taking over the spotlight for the young new stars coming into the NBA and when he came into the NBA he um you know he really made a splash his rookie season he averaged 18 points per game on 47 points 47.7 uh, percent shooting 33 percent from the field 77 <clears> percent <throat> 
uh, from the from from the free throw line, getting you uh, what three rebounds? I mean, four rebounds, seven assists. But then he just kept on getting better and better and better. In the 2021-22 season, he averaged in 57 games, he averaged 27 points per game, 49% shooting from the field, 34.4% uh, shooting from the three point line, 76% uh, from the free throw line, while getting you 5.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists and then last year in 61 games he scored 26 points on 47 percent 46.6 percent shooting from the field 30 percent from the three 75 percent from the free throw line while getting you 5.9 rebounds and 8.1 assists so john morant has improved every single year and apart from his excellent play on the court it also has been translating into wins it also landed him a shoe deal with nike uh, where, he, where he essentially became the replacement for Kyrie Irving. Y'all know the debacle that took place in Nike with Kyrie Irving. Ultimately, they cut ties with him, right? So John Morant was heading to the stars. And then all of a sudden, these disturbing reports started to come out. Various incidents started to come out. And ultimately, it landed him a 25-game suspension, and I believe without pay. And what a lot of people didn't discuss, because we spent a lot of time discussing John Morant, we didn't discuss the impact or the potential impact it was going to have on his ball club. This season so far, the Memphis Grizzlies have lost every single game that they that they have participated in uh, uh, this season. They currently have an 0-5 record, and they are the only team in the NBA this year that is yet to still get a win. To put things into context, last year, the Memphis Grizzlies were one of the top four seeds. The year before that, they were one of the top four seeds, and they were making noise in the playoffs. But due to the absence of um, John Morant, this team cannot even be competitive right now. And they can barely win games. And this, when this when this information was brought to the attention of Stephen A. Smith of ESPN yesterday, he actually put 100% of the blame on John Morant because due to his absence. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Stephen A. Smith had to say about the effect of the absence that uh, John Moran is having on this on the, on the Memphis Grizzlies, and then we'll come back and continue on. Take a listen to that there. Well, let's stay in the West, Stephen A., and as you would say, right now it's just Elvis murals in Memphis. Things aren't looking good. After last night's 133-109 loss to the Jazz, the Grizzlies, Stephen A., they're 0-5. They're the only winless team in the NBA, and as we all know, they're without John Morant, who's still serving that 25 game suspension and Steven Adams who suffered a season ending injury. But SA, what's the biggest takeaway for you from this Grizzlies 0-5 start? John Morant, not just his significance and the fact that they win 64% of their games when he's on the basketball court. It's 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 on it it has me thinking about him on a personal level. You see, at the end of the day you were the man. You were a superstar and you were getting paid. And no you did not commit a crime. Let's get that straight. You did not commit a crime. You didn't break any laws, particularly in the state of Tennessee when it comes to gun possession and what have you. But at the end of the day, the NBA told you what they needed you to do and how they needed you to conduct yourself because guess what? They're an iconic brand and this is how they run their business and they don't want their bottom line compromised. You didn't listen. And as a result, you got suspended for 25 games. So now a bunch of brothers in Memphis got to go on the court without their dude, without their superstar talent that they literally lean on night in and night out. You are home watching games because you didn't know how to act. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. I love John Morant. He's a treasure to watch. He's great for the NBA when he's on the basketball court. But all of us who are basketball lovers, who support the NBA, who cover the NBA, we're all disappointed. And the reason why we're disappointed is not because of the mistake that he made. It's because he did it more than once. He did it more than once after he had spoken to the commissioner of the National Basketball Association and then went against everything he purported to be about. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you can point to immaturity, you can point to arrogance, you can point to any of those things and say maybe that was it. We don't know definitively. But what we do know is that if you can literally sit there and deny that you were thinking about yourself, what's undeniable is that you clearly weren't thinking about anybody else on your team. Because if you were thinking about the Memphis Grizzlies, you would have flown straight and you would have conducted yourself more appropriately mm -hmm. and you wouldn't be in this position. So you heard what Stephen A. Smith had to say. Listen, um, at this point in time, you, it's, it's hard to disagree with him. Reason being is because if John Morant was available, 
the Memphis Grizzlies would be a much more competitive ball club. And due to the fact he's the main variable this miss, and I know Steven Adams is out for the season, I believe. But given the fact that he's not there, one would only surmise that it's due to his absence that this team is not successful. Number two, it shows just the premium that he brings to the team, which then causes may cause some people to get even more annoyed because they're like, man, do you know how much value you bring to your basketball team to even put yourself in a position where you're not even playing with them? And the saddest part about all of this was that it was 100% self-inflicted. Nobody did anything to John Morant. Nobody forced him to do anything. He did it all on his own volition, out of his own freedom. He did all of it. And now he's cost himself you know, a lot of money, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Some have estimated roughly $60 million due to not being able to qualify to make an all-NBA team. And then also the money he's going to lose this season from the games missed. Uh, that, you know, y- you really hurt yourself and you hurt your team. Now, by the time he returns in 25 games, I don't know, maybe that's before the end of this year. I don't know. Um, it's going to be very, very hard for these guys to catch up because the Western Conference this year is loaded. I mean, a lot of the teams are bunched up together, but I think it's going to be a tough West. Right now, as we speak, the Mavs are number one. Do You have the Warriors, you have the Nuggets, the Pelicans are four and one, the Lakers are three and two, the, the, the Clippers are three and two then you have the oklahoma city thunder you also have the spurs you have to look at but you also have the sacramento kings and you also have the phoenix suns so is memphis going to be able to catch all of those teams after 25 games from now i doubt it they may not even make the playoffs if they're lucky they'll make the play in maybe as a 10th seed because right now i don't see how they're going to be able to make up ground after not being able to have John Moran for 25 games. So listen, it's going to be a disaster. You know, it's going to be a disaster because now to add insult to injury, you now put yourself in a position where your team may not even make the playoffs. So really, we're going to be looking forward to next year. I think when John Moran comes back, we're going to be, I think a lot of us are going to be focused more on his behavior because the team, I don't see how they're going to be able to recover all of that ground. There are too many good teams in the Western Cup, too many, too many. So um, I agree with Stephen A. Smith's analysis of what John Moran did. You know, it's it's 100% self-inflicted. And, um, you know, you got to blame him because he's not available due to his own action. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let me get into this. As you guys know, the Clippers recently pulled off a trade uh, for uh, James Harden. And in that trade package, they were able to acquire James Harden and P.J. Tucker, who, funny enough, played in that game against the Lakers. And he gave them some good minutes with five offensive rebounds uh, and playing some solid uh, defense or five or defensive, anyway, five rebounds. Um, But we were all waiting to see James Harden right now. When the news first came out, I, like many people, were very skeptical about this move. Do you know why? Because the Clippers already had guys that were ball dominant, kind of. Uh, and then you add another guy, right? A James Harden into the system. A James Harden who had just recently been moved from three different teams in the last three years. And I'm like, you want to bring this guy into the full Why? right? You already have enough offensive firepower, uh, et cetera. But nevertheless, the Clippers pulled the trigger. Um, what is it? Um, the owner of the team, Steve Ballmer, seemed to be elated by the move. He was doing his money walk uh, down the tunnel when he saw James Harden. <laughs> Ballmer got this money walk that he do, man. He got this bob that he do. It's like, man, too many billions, man. You bop into the left, bop into the right. So anyway, you saw James Harden and all of that. But anyway, James Harden now is now a Clipper. Um, and I was one of the people that was not excited about it because James Harden has never played a brand of basketball. Uh, that won anything, right? And to me, I'm like, why are we adding this guy to the roster? But nevertheless, Clippers added him, and we're going to have to wait and see how he plays. So what happens? Uh, yesterday, I'm going through Instagram, and an image is sent to me, but sent to me, shows up on my feed, and it's from Bleach Report. M- many various um, news, uh, sports media companies published the- these quotes. But anyway, it was for him. Uh, from them and it had the quote I'm not a player in a system I am the system and I said to myself good lord we're doomed we're, we're doomed we're doomed now what, what was he referring to yesterday James Harden did his introductory conf- uh, press conference that new players generally do uh, whenever they join a new team so he was speaking to the media 
And during this sit down, he was talking about a range of things. What made him come to the Clippers? What made what, what caused the fallout of Philadelphia? Why he's been moving for various teams? What's his relationship like with Russell Westbrook? And in the midst of all of that, they then ask him to define his role or how he views himself as a player. And then he goes on to just say that, which has absolutely turned off everybody. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what James Harden had to say here. And then we'll come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what he had to say there. Um, I don't think... When I'm in a leash, I'm not in just shooting the basketball every time. I meant like, I'm a, I'm a, like I think the game and I'm a creator on the court. You know what I mean? So if I got a, a, a voice to where I can, hey coach, I see this, you know, what you think about this? Then it's like, oh, okay. Like somebody that trusts me, that believes in me, that understands me, that I'm just not a, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a system player. I am a system. You know what I mean? So um, somebody that, that can have that dialogue with me and understand and, and, and move forward and figure out and make adjustments on the fly throughout the course of games. That's all I really care about. You know, I mean, it's not about me scoring a basketball, scoring 30, 34 points. In, like, I've done it already. So um, that's what I meant by that. I know that you talk, you know, we're I think that the system that we have um, is really good. I've been watching the games, and and for me, it's just you know staying locked in. You know, whether it's defensively or offensively, like knowing what we're doing, knowing what our, what our schemes are, and you know making sure that I'm I'm doing the best job um, that I can do and controlling what I control. Um, and so Dutch is being the best version of myself. Um, watching film, you know, what I mean, consistently communicating with coaches and, and teammates, and trying to figure out how can we, how can I be great on both ends of the ball. Um, you know, it's going to take some time, hopefully not too much time, but um, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing. Malika, hey Malika. Um, yep. Yep. I had a really good workout today, so uh, I think our next game is Monday. So tomorrow we'll, we'll practice and, um, you know, a few days and you know, hopefully be ready to go by Monday. Hey, James. Hey. Um, I assume the reason why you're watching the Clippers is because you think it's your best chance of winning a championship. What is it about teaming up with Kawhi and PG and Russ makes you think they have the best chance of doing that here? I think, uh, obviously, they're already really a good team. I think the coaching staff um, is really, really good as well. Um, then I'm you know, I'm back home, you know what I mean. So I, did, I think the comfort level of you being back home around family and then having some really 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 good players on this team, um, and then you know basically all four uh, dudes from you know California, it's, it's a unique story. So um, with all that you know coming together, it just made sense. Joey, James, obviously you played with Russ twice now, and you guys maintain a close relationship. Three times. This will be a third time. Yeah, well, I was just oh, my bad. now, but yeah, you played with him twice prior to this. But uh, how much was your relationship with him a factor in you wanting to come in? Yeah, I mean, I've been knowing Russ since Boys and Girls Club in LA, so our relationship goes far beyond basketball. Uh, so you heard what he had to say. Now, I think it's important that we establish some things from the onset. First of all, when he made those comments, he was referring to how he was utilized as a Philadelphia 76er. So that's kind of the, the the context of those comments. Secondly, however, that that, that that is not what, if you're a Clipper fan, you want to hear. Basically saying that, you know, I'm not a system player, I'm a system. We don't want to hear that. And a lot of people have messaged me on Instagram. When I say a lot, a lot of people, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, my handle is uh, C-T-A-B-A-N-Z. If you want to also message me on Instagram, you can message me at the Dreamers Pro Instagram, same name as the channel. But anyway, a lot of people have been asking me, they were like, a system of failure, a system. What does this system ever want? And this is the point. James Harden's way of uh, style of playing basketball never won a championship. So for him to be saying that, I'm now sitting back and saying to myself, what if the system that you're used to, what if Ty Lue and the Clippers want you to do a different thing that's not, quote unquote, doesn't play into your system or your style? What happens then? What if you're not asked to do something that you're not used to doing? Are we going to have any drama? Is there going to be any friction? This is what, man, this, oh my God. 
for for me, the only way I think this thing can work is either Russell Westbrook or James Harden goes to the bench. It is not going to work if you have Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, Paul George in this. I just don't see it because uh, uh, Paul George can space the floor quite consistently. Kawhi Leonard can absolutely space the floor. I believe he's shooting 47% right now from the three-point line. It's absurd. I mean, Kawhi stuff. Obviously, that number's not going to stay that way, but these guys can space the floor. James Harden can space the floor. Russell Westbrook can't. Russell Westbrook has a totally different skill set. Now, he is shooting a pretty decent, uh, pretty good three-point percentage this season, but I don't expect that to last for the entirety of this NBA season. I don't expect that to happen. So to me, I think one of those guys needs to be relegated to coming off the bench and coming out with the second unit. There's been a lot, a lot has been made about Russell Westbrook being a creature of habit where he has a certain routine that he's been doing for his entire career that whenever he comes off the bench, it kind of throws him into a whack. So if it means starting Westbrook to start a game, fine. But man, this is adding a wrinkle that I just believe, that I just personally believe adds more of a headache uh, to the situation. If you're asking me to me, man, um, I really didn't like him saying that I'm a sister. I just didn't like it because right now it's not about James Harden's system. It's about doing what the team needs in order for, in order for this team to be successful. Some other people have said it. And I want to say it again, Rachel Nichols uh, alluded to this yesterday on undisputed. If these guys don't make it work this year, this iteration of the Clippers is over. It's a wrap. It's a wrap for this team. There will be no more Paul George, no more Kawhi Leonard, no more Russell. Well, Russell Russ will probably be there for another year. But this this kind of uh, uh, championship core, quote-unquote championship core, this is going to be it for them. This is it. They're going to blow it up, and they should blow it up after this season. If these guys get to the postseason, they're fully healthy, and they don't deliver, blow it up. I don't want to see another iteration of it. I don't, I don't want to see another go at it. It is that serious, and I think this is their last year. So the focus needs to be on winning and doing whatever it takes. Your system is not really what's important right now. It's about doing the things that is going to ensure this team win. Period. And I just hope this is the this is at the forefront of their thinking. I also hope that the pecking order is clearly stated from the onset. It's Kawhi, it's Paul George, and it's everybody else. It's not no, oh, but maybe one night is me. Nah. No, 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 no. It's those two guys, and then it's everybody else. So to me, man, I wasn't feeling those comments. A lot of people weren't. We put up the post when he, when he said that. I put it on the story on Instagram. I wrote, we're doomed. People are cracking up. Man, we're doomed. If This is going to be the, 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 the mentality going in. These are my thoughts. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. This guy here. Folks. You know, generally when they hype up players, I really don't pay attention to it. I usually like to form an opinion about an NBA player when they get to the seat, when they get to the when they get to the NBA. I don't watch college basketball. I don't I don't get into all of that. I want to see what they are when they hit the professional uh, level. That's when I really begin to form my opinion because it's been very excellent uh, players on the collegiate level that their games and trans you know translate into the NBA. I'll give you an example, uh, like Christian Leitner, uh, uh, JJ Redick, and so many others, right? So I wait for guys to get to the NBA. With that being said, Victor Wimbenyama has been absolutely hyped to the heavens over the last few months, and deservingly so, as it seems. Right? Let me tell y'all what this, what this, what, 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 what this guy did. Victor Wimbenyama just recently played, I believe, it is his fifth NBA game. In that game, they faced, he faced, excuse me, they faced, he faced the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns in a team in which they faced on, uh, what is it, on two, uh, on back-to-back, on back-to-back nights. They faced them the day before, and then they just faced them uh, yesterday. And going into that game, the marquee name, ob- the marquee names obviously were going to be Kevin Durant, De- uh, Devin Booker, and Victor Wimbanyama. And in 34 minutes, let me tell you what this gentleman did in a W. In that game, Victor Wimbenyama, and this is what? Let me just count the game. This is his one. Th- this is his fifth game as a as a pro. As a 19, 20-year-old, he scored, get this, 38 points on 57 points of 0.7% shooting from the field, 
50% shooting from the three, going three of six. That's a legitimate 50%. Shooting 83% from the free throw line, getting you 10 rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, and just two turnovers in that game. Now, those are just the raw stats. If you actually saw the highlights of this guy, he's unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. For a seven foot four guy, he is unlike anything I have ever seen in my life in terms of a basketball player. And it seems like I'm not the only one that's totally enamored by this guy's game. Even Stephen A. Smith this morning on ESPN First Take believes that Victor Wembanyama may end up being so good that he may end up being an all-star his first year in the season. So for those of you who didn't hear what Stephen A. Smith had to say about Victor Wembanyama, take a listen to what him and Brian Winhorst had to say. No, come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to that there. Ooh. Hey, listen, y'all. There's a lot of hype. Uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, everybody talks about, you know, me. I'm supposed to be, you know, one of the stars of the network. Let me say for the record, I was never allowed to go to France to, 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 on assignment. That was Brian Wintour. So he's the real star. Twice. He the real star because I wasn't Twice. allowed to go to France. That Daddy. brother was allowed to go to France, okay? okay? Not me. Because he knows right? how to behave But let himself. me tell you something right now. Let, let, let me tell you something right now, Bonsoir. But anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is this. The point that I'm trying to make is this. This dude, Wimignana, I don't know, I don't know. This bonjour. dude, Wimignana, you know. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Bonjour, bonjour. it's okay, All get right. it together. Here's the deal, y'all. Listen, this dude, Wimignana, let me tell you something. He can ball. He's he's a special talent, man. It was worth it. There's a reason Wendy was over there, because he's worthy of it. It's one thing to be as, 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 as tall as he is or whatever. The brother can handle. He can shoot. He's got a stroke. I'm looking at him laughing. He shot 57% from the field, y'all. It wasn't just 38 points, like 35 shots. He shot 57% from the field. Inside, outside, as skinny as he is, he's not, a, he's not scared to attack the basket. The other night in the victory, the brother against Houston, he's demanding the ball at crunch time, okay, in just his third, second or third game in the league. Give me the damn ball. He's one of those dudes. And I love the fact that KD pointed that out. He talked, he used the words as passion for the game or whatever. The brother wants it. I mean, he ain't come to the NBA to collect the check and just to live off of the skills that he naturally, that he naturally, you know, brings to the table. You see the clutch points over there, 21 clutch points this season. Obviously, LeBron is at the, at the number one spot behind, and with Luka right behind. And, of course, Steph Curry's in that mix. But Wimbayana's right in the conversation. He's demanding the basketball. And you see dudes deferring to him. And they ain't doing it because he's tall. They're doing it for two reasons. He's got skills, and he's got heart. The brother ain't scared. And I'm looking at him right now, and I'm saying, I expect, and, and keep your eyes on this, Eminem and Wendy, I expect to start seeing people as the season progresses get physical with him because his skill set along with his height leaves you devoid of most answers for this brother. The only thing that's left is that you look at that skinny frame and you like, let me let him feel me. Other than that, I don't know what you're going to do with this brother because he ain't going to get worse. He ain't even turned 20 yet. This brother, mm -hmm. Wimbledon the real deal. He, he's the real deal. And by the way, he'll probably be an all-star as a rookie. He'll probably be an all-star. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a leap of faith making that suggestion, Stephen A. The one thing I will say, though, you're right. I think the physicality is probably coming. But the problem with physicality is you can get away with it a little bit more in today's NBA in the paint. But I don't know if you saw it. When the game was on the line after it was tied at 116 all with about four minutes to go, this man is coming off screens from behind the three-point line. Like, where is the physicality in that? And so I think the well-roundedness of his game is part of what makes him so spectacular combined with his size. And KD used the word enthusiasm, which I thought was so spot on. The one thing that I will say about this particular matchup, though, I think that you clearly see where he is the beneficiary of having just played this team on Tuesday night in a hard-fought, crazy, come-from-behind win for the Spurs. And then he rolls into the game on Thursday with a tremendous amount of confidence and scores 10 out of the 12 points after the game was tied with four minutes to go. And so to me, 
combined with the skill set, his desire to be that guy and not shying away from the moment as the clutch stat graphic that we saw alluded to. I mean, come on, let's go. I don't know that the league has been put on notice because I feel like these guys were already talking about him prior to him actually being drafted. This is what we had hoped for. So, guys, when I went over to Paris last year and I met his youth coaches and I met his family and I met his teammates, both his current teammates and former teammates, I found out that there's three things about him that have all come together that are very rare. Obviously, we know the, the size. That's the first thing you notice when you see him. Two, the skill, the skill set. It's the skill set and the size together, which makes something really special. And that's what we, is the reason he was drafted number one. But it's the third thing, which is the confidence. My mm -hmm. gosh, is this a confident man? So you heard what they had to say. I want to quickly read what I, what I posted on the channel uh, before producing this show here. I said, this was about 34 minutes ago, I wrote, Victor is going to rewrite the history books. He will be an all-star this season. If he starts winning championships, he is going to destroy the top five rankings of all time. One person said, I love how he's already learned to, to stay on his feet. So many big men nowadays don't do, understand. Another, man, another person said, he's a man. Um, another person said, health, health is the only thing that uh, has the potential to stop him. Another person said, um, only after a few games, another person said, yeah, man. And another person said a defensive player of the year. And another person said, cooked KD uh, and Booker. Let me, let, me, let me talk about this from a macro standpoint. And I want to take my time quickly with this. That sounds like I'm actually going to take my time quickly. I want to take my time with this. There's a few things at play here. First of all, I want to talk about the evolution of basketball. The NBA, like a lot of things right now, is evolving so quickly that in the next 10 years is going to be a totally different league. What am I referring to? I'm talking about the players that are going to, that are going to define the sport. We have spoken about this on numerous occasions on this channel that the American-born players need to sit up. And by sit up, what I mean, oh my God, I did that. Somebody may say, Jesus, Lord. There's somebody that may say I'm in Illuminati because I did this while I was using my hand when I talk. You, you would just won't believe some people. Anyway, I've been saying in the past that some of the American-born players need to take this thing seriously. Yes, the NBA basketball is an American game, although it was invented and some people say it's Canada, but although it's an American game. Uh, I, was, I was actually going to put up a poll on the channel just yesterday Asking the question, what city in the States produced the, produces the best uh, NBA players? I was going to put uh, L.A. and all of these. Because think about it. Paul, George, Kawhi. So many guys, so many great players come from L.A. So many great basketball players. And they come from New York and other places around uh, the country. So it's still very much an American-dominated game, game by American players. However, the trend has been showing over the last 10 years that if American-born players are not serious and they don't take for granted what they have in front of them. Let me let me let me let me just distill this down in a way where some people understand. Some of these players that are coming into the United States and playing in the NBA, they don't come from backgrounds that some players in the United States come from. Now, some people may not understand what I mean, but what I mean is this: some people don't come from as privileged backgrounds as you you may be in the states. You may not understand it, maybe because you live in the United States. But if you live in the United States, you're already at an advantage against a lot of people in the world. Let me repeat it once more. If you are born and raised in the United States, you are already in an advantage over the majority of people born in other places around the world just because of the economy, the, the, the facilities, the country works, you have internet, you have clean water, you have infrastructure, you have all of these, you have all the information, all of these things in the United States working in your favor. And what happens in, in instances like this is that usually when people have everything at their disposal, they tend not to use them. Because they take it for granted. And then when you have other people that are coming from different backgrounds, they may not have all the things that you have, they're forced to work more. And when they get to the United States and when they get to the NBA, they come there to take everything. So while some players in the States are going through the motions, these guys are coming to snatch everything. You see, whether or not, for example, Gilbert Arenas says that NBA players in the States, are still, it's irrelevant. It's actually quite irrelevant because all that really matters is what's actually taking place out there in the court. Now, what he says and what I say is what's actually happening. Let's look at the top 10 players quickly. 
Five of them, arguably, all international players, or four of them. Luka Doncic, whose team is currently number one in the West. Uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, arguably the best player in the world. Giannis Antetokounmpo, arguably the best player in the world. Joel Embiid, defensive player of the year. I mean, uh, MVP. Four guys, all international players. Four of them. Then you have, yeah, of course, you have, uh, excuse me, you have Jamal Murray, you have Shai Gilchrist, Alex, you have other players. And then you now have Victor Wembanyama. People aren't even paying attention. Victor is from the Congo, by the way of France. Victor is a Congolese. Now, some people may not realize that that's, that's what he is. Just like I think in a Jewish religion, if your mother's a Jewish, you're a Jewish. In African religion, whatever your father's from, that's where you're from. Now, he may be born in France, but Victor is widely viewed as an African. A Congolese man. They're going to take your father's side. This is another foreigner coming to the NBA. Another one. So regardless of what these guys are talking about, oh, it's not going to be this game. It's not about what you're talking about. It's really about what you're doing. The landscape is evolving quickly. And, and that's what the NBA wants. Because they want it to be an international global game. And that's where it's going. You have players like Giannis. They're going to bring in the Nigerian audience. They're going to bring in the Greek audience. You have Victor Wembanyama. He's going to bring in the French audience. He's going to bring in the, what is it, the, 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 the Congolese audience. You have Luka Doncic. You have Nikola. You have all of these guys expanding the game because people from those countries are going to watch. All I'm saying is this. If folks in the States don't sit up and start taking this thing seriously, it's going to be a wrap. Globalization is actually real. Whether you want to believe it or not is irrelevant. Globalization is real. And beyond the fact that this guy may end up being one of the greatest players of all time, I think it also serves as an example of where the NBA is going in the future. And most fans don't care. They love it. Most fans just want to see great players. Now, of course, you have some small-minded idiots that are going to be like, oh, no, he has to be from here. Those people don't matter. Those are people that are trying to fight the call. They're trying to fight the, the uh, fight the inevitable. So to me, man, listen, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see where the NBA game goes. Uh, it's going to continue to grow. And, I, I, and I, I don't think this is the end. I think this is the beginning. I think there's going to reach a point in time in the NBA when they're going to be like the top 20 players. The majority of them are going to be international players. I'm not even going to get into some of the reasons why that is from a, funda from a fundamental standpoint and how some NBA players in the States, NBA-based, uh, American-based NBA players are reared through the AAU system. How people like Robert Ory, Kobe Bryant, and all of these guys slam this system because they're not teaching NBA players the fundamentals and you have guys coming from Europe and they're already, they're already coming into the NBA with, 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 with their fundamentals already in place. So to me, it's going to be a fascinating dichotomy that's going to evolve over time and I can't wait to see it. May the best man win. I'm all for competition. May the best man win. You're not going to get something through nepotism or, well, I deserve it because my father. No, 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 no. Whoever's the best, let him have it. That's how it should work. Whoever is the best, let the market decide who that should be. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let me get into this topic here. So, you know what? I'm not going to take too much of your time because I'm tired. I'm tired of this Michael Jordan. It's 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 exhausting. I think it's time we begin to start, uh, you know, turning the page and moving on to something else. Really, like this argument has been going on for how many years now? It's so trite. It's so played out. And I just want to hear another tune, right? But nevertheless, some people are still trying to bring it up. What I've noticed is this, that I've noticed that the people that are advocating for LeBron being the greatest player of all time always find a way to bring up Michael Jordan in the conversation. And the irony in all of this, I never hear Jordan mention anything about LeBron and these guys. I don't hear Michael Jordan's agent or business partner going out there doing interviews talking about why Michael Jordan is the go. I never see this happen. Jordan is just, is just there enjoying his $3 billion. But meanwhile, on the other side, it's all it is. It's either if it's not Rich Paul, it's LeBron himself lobbying for himself. It's if it's not LeBron, it's Kendrick Perkins or, or, or some other person. And that's what happened. Uh, as you guys know, LeBron James had an outer-worldly uh, performance just the other night against the Clippers uh, where he was just absolutely in fuego. And I was like, man, this dude is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I, and I gave him his props uh, the following day on the channel because he deserved it. Um, and he played like 
you know, the top five player he is of all time. So anyway, he had an excellent outing. And then what happened? They discussed this, as we all would surmise, the following day on television. And then uh, ES on ESPN First Take, Stephen A. Smith brought on uh, Kendrick Perkins. So they're talking. Kendrick Perkins then decides to take the conversation in a totally different direction about why this proves that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan will be earning $7 million over the next two years. You tell me, did he have a $40 million drop-off? $35 million a year drop-off? Yeah, help me figure it out. I mean, every sensible NBA player has absolutely ripped any kind of ranking or anyone suggesting that Russell Westbrook is not a good basketball player. But nevertheless, some people are trying to push that line. So what happened? This morning I was doing some research and I came across an article via fadeawayworld.net. And the article had the headline saying, Russell Westbrook sets the record straight on made-up narratives with the Lakers. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Kendrick Perkins had to say here, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that there. Well, well, number one, I don't disagree with nothing that you said. You're 100% accurate. Okay, number two, this is why LeBron James is the GOAT, because your GOAT wasn't doing this at 38 years of age, okay? That's, that's number two. Number three, it was the best win of the Lakers for the Lakers this season. In, they short, in this short season. When I think about guys like Austin Reeves and I think about a guy like Cam Reddish, right, that went out there last night in the starting lineup, performed on both ends of the floor, did what he needed to do. I saw a level of confidence. And when I see that level of confidence, that's what LeBron James bring out of people, the best out of people. When I think about Anthony Davis, and I know, you know, I heard you and Shannon, I believe it was, you know, on Monday or Tuesday, you know, one more from AD offensively. But what AD has been doing on the defensive side of things, the way that he's been anchoring that defense, rim protection, uh, cleaning the glass like a fresh bottle of Windex. I mean, right now he's one of the top candidates in the short season of making a run for defensive player of the year. So I agree. it was the – it was the best win for the Lakers last night, especially because the Clippers had them in their back, been having them in their back pocket for quite some time. Now, this is a point I want to make. Mm -hmm. That damn LeBron James. Stephen A., we've been over the last three or four years since I've been working at the network, we have been searching and trying to find a new person to take over the throne of being the face of the league and we can't put a finger on that yet. You know why? Because LeBron James is still the face of the league, and he proved that last night. Playing for one of the most historical franchises to ever exist in the Los Angeles Lakers, but to continue to do what he's doing right now, putting up those numbers, winning games, being clutched down the stretch, Putting this team on his back, although we want him to pass the torch to Anthony Davis, and he's tried to pass the torch to Anthony Davis, but he is still the number one option, and he's still the face of the league. See, Miley, Stephen A., a lot of people mm -hmm. will say, oh, the face of the league is the best player, the best player in the game. No, the best player in the game has switched up over the last 10 years, or well, five years. You have to, if you're the face of the league, this have to be a long-term thing. And, the, and right now, I don't see anyone taking this away from LeBron James well, until he decides to hang it up. So you heard what Kendrick Perkins had to say there. Here are my thoughts. First of all, what does what LeBron just did have to do with Michael Jordan and him being better than Michael Jordan? I'm trying to figure it out. He's saying Jordan wasn't doing this at this age. Here are the facts. MJ is the person that defeated basketball multiple times and felt like, why am I still playing? Let me ask you guys a question. If you were performing a particular thing and in that profession you were dominating, dominating, I mean just dominating, in ways that weren't really ever seen before, where you go for like an eight-year stretch when you don't lose more than two games in a row, have two three-peats, um, just, just cuckoo stuff. When you retire, won't you be retiring from the standpoint of, man, like, they can't beat me. 
They can't beat me. The moment I got another All Star, they could they couldn't beat me. You know, Michael Jordan only lost an All. Uh, Michael Jordan has only lost one playoff series in his entire career when he played one All Star. Let me repeat that once more time. One more time. Michael Jordan has only lost one playoff series in his NBA career when he played alongside at least one All-Star. Do you know Kobe Bryant and, Mike, and LeBron James, I think the number is like 10, 11 or something like that, when they played with at least one All-Star? Jordan only lost one, one time. One time. Jordan retired because he had nothing to prove, number one. Number two, he wasn't chasing anybody. I don't think Jordan got to the end of his career and said, Man, I got to really come figure out how to, when he retired with the Bulls, man, I got to really figure out a way to really prove to people I'm the GOAT. He had already done that. He had nothing to play for. Who? What, what, what was Jordan trying to prove? Okay, I can play until I'm 40. Who cares? Who cares? He had already proved everything. What else does he have to prove? That now he has to prove that he can play. Who cares? If Jordan knew that one day in the future, people would now try to turn the GOAT debate into who can play until they're 65 years old, maybe he would have played more games, but who cares? He's accomplished everything. If Jordan continued to play until he was 40 and kept on playing, he would have had nothing to prove. And why would you do something when you have nothing to prove? What's the motivation to keep doing it? LeBron has something to prove because in the, in the eye of the majority of sports fans, he is not the GOAT. So he's still trying to make his case. In the case of Jordan, he had no case to make. So when he said that, it's like, bro, he had nothing to prove. He had nothing left to prove. These are my, uh, these, that's what I think about it. So for Kendrick Perkins to be saying that, man, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand, man. It just looks like they ain't got nothing else better to talk about. And they always got to look for a way. All of these checks that they making off of Jordan, man, all of this money they making talking about the guy every day on tell. I don't get it. Rich Paul goes out there. He's saying about one thing about Kobe, another thing about Jordan. Like, yo, let it go. Jordan ain't even talking about you dudes ever. Why you keep his name in your mouth so much? What is, what is it? Leave the dude alone. He's just there minding his business. Y'all always finding a way to bring him up. Every conversation is always these dudes bringing him up. I've never heard Jordan bring up any of these dudes ever. It's always these dudes like, yo, let it, let it go, man. Just let it freaking go. And before I close, I just want to, I say one last thing. I didn't say it on the Victor Wimbenyama video. If you guys get a chance to see the Victor Wimbenyama show uh, when it comes out today, if you haven't seen it and you're just watching this video for the first time, go to the Apple uh, podcast or Spotify. We have the full show there. I know there's some people are going to say, oh, why are you defending Victor Wimbenyama? You're, oh, 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 here we go. You're only defending Victor Wimbenyama because he's an African and all of this. So first of all, I'm proud to be an African. That bothers some people. That's your bloody business. If you're looking for somebody with low self-esteem, you found you found the wrong brother. Now there are a lot of people that are ashamed to be who they are, uh, but I'm not one of them, right? First of all, number one. So I'm, I'm proud to be one. Number two, um, I don't understand. You see, the thing that gets me with some of these people, and I close on this thought quickly. The thing that gets me about some of these people is other groups support other groups, and there's no issues. The French support the French. The the Jews support the Jews. The 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 Italians support the Italians. But if the African supports another African, then what? I'm there's an issue here. I'm doing whatever I'm doing what every other group does. Why is it a problem when it comes my turn? Number one. Number two, why don't you stand up and go yell at those people and say, hey man, why are you guys supporting each other? Why you, why does it only resonate with you when you see a, an African a black supporting another African, then you get bothered? That already speaks to the mentality that you have within you. That of all of the things that are happening in terms of all the other groups supporting themselves, that's the one that resonates with you. It means you got some really, really, really deep self-hate within you. If you as a black person gets offended when you see an African supporting an African, that means something is wrong with you. And you got some really deep self-hatred in you for that to be an issue with you. I just wanted to put that point out there. Yes, Victor Wiminyama, I think is a great player. Yes, he's an African. I'm supporting him the same way anybody, anybody else. If it was a Serbian player, guess what? Serbians will be supporting him. If he was German, Germans will be supporting him. It's what everybody does. Greece, they support Giannis. Is, am, I, am I lying or am I making this up? Nigeria, they support Giannis. 
and he's one of not my countrymen, but from from the same continent I am from, and I'm going to support him. And if you feel a type of way about it, that's your bloody business. Sorry if it bothers you when you see blacks supporting blacks from the from the continent. That bothers you. That's your bloody business. I'm never going to stop it because you have some self hatred issues. Thank you for listening to today's show, and don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.